Hello, it is Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, October 12th, 2021. Aaron obviously stops by and chats about the state of the NFL and everything happening in his world. Tom Telesco, the general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers, does the same. Matt Prater, kicker for the Cardinals, former longest kick in NFL history, record holder before Justin Tucker took that a couple weeks ago, comes by to chat, and A.J. Hawk joins myself and the boys. Let's have a hell of a Tuesday. Can't thank you enough for joining us. If you enjoy this show, by the end of it, please be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened. Let's get to it. Aaron Rodgers Tuesday has come, and although the air does smell a little bit fresher on this particular day because he'll be joining us in the third hour at about 2.05 Eastern Daylight Time still. Mm-hmm. It'll become Eastern Standard Time whenever we move the clocks back, I believe. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but it's not just Aaron joining us today. Per usual, uh, Norm, AJ Hawk will be here because he does not have a black tie affair to go to wow. Uh, wow. in the middle of the wow. week like he has had the first five weeks of the NFL season. Okay. Uh, also, uh, Matt Prater, uh, the kicker mm. for the Arizona Cardinals, formerly the record holder for longest kick in NFL history. He'll join us in the second hour. And in the first hour, in about 22 minutes, we'll have Tom Telesco joining us, GM for the Los Angeles. Angeles Chargers. So today is jam-packed beginning to end, legitimately. And I think what we have to talk about before I address, you know, maybe um, the kicking situation in the NFL. Mm. Sure. You know, I am wearing a hoodie because even though the tide has turned against kickers yet again, it will come back in the kicker's favor. Hell yeah. I'll, say, I'll talk about that at some point. And although we do have to talk about the Indianapolis Colts being up 19, having a record of 120 and 0, and being up 16 going into a fourth quarter, and me possibly falling asleep trying to catch a little night night time, uh, missing the whole fourth quarter in overtime until I woke up this morning and realized that a lot of my bets, although they did cover, uh, did not all hit because Lamar Jackson became an absolute super mega star in the fourth quarter and into overtime, and that's what Lamar Jackson is. Threw for over 350-some yards just in the second half alone. Led that incredible comeback against Frank Reich and the Colts, who maybe made some decisions that were a little bit, what are we doing? Uh, what, what, what are we doing? And uh, there was a couple kicks that were missed by a kicker that had a bad hip. How'd we get there. I have no idea. Let's take care of that damn hip. Rigoberto Sanchez was kicking the ball pretty clean there. I only saw one rep. That ball was nice. Naeem Hines was holding for him. Tell Naeem Hines to pull that ball back towards his knee a little bit. I think Rigoberto Sanchez potentially could have kicked those balls, but Hot Rod has not missed. He's come back in a different way. He agreed. He thought he could make the kick. He didn't. He misses. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens going to win, and Mark Andrews has 7,000 yards receiving. Ugh. Yeah. Still has me 20 public push-ups. Nobody wants to talk about that. Yeah. And now I owe... Um, $5,000 in Jimmy's Famous Seafood Crab Cakes and Food uh, to listeners of this show. Oh, man. Not Come only on. that, because of the agreement behind the scenes between me and Jimmy's themselves, uh, I will also be donating uh, $5,000 worth of Jimmy's Famous to the first responders in Baltimore as well. Oh. Now, I'm happy I could do that, be yeah. a part of Good that. Sure. But me having to buy the $5,000 worth of crabs and, and everything, as opposed to them doing it yeah. right. for us, is because the Ravens got the win. I went to sleep last night thinking, look at us, earning $5,000 worth of crab cakes for the first responders and $5,000 worth of crab cakes uh, for our listeners because the Colts and Carson Wentz turned that whole thing around in Baltimore, and we got a team. Hey, yeah. the defense is flying around. Oh, yeah. Lamar Jackson's a, an absolute 
anomaly, an alien, an incredible freak athlete, quarterback that I think is dude all the respect that he has earned and also Cashola uh, that he is going to get paid. He's unbelievable. But in the first first half, first three quarters, I will say the Colts defense looked like they were back. They were rallying. They were everything. So I even tweeted the Colts defense is back. Obviously, once I fell asleep, everything changed. Uh, sure. Yeah. So is this my fault? Maybe. I am now the one buying the crab cakes. We'll ha- announce a giveaway uh, for the potential $50, $100 boxes that will be given away. And Ooh. they're going to be oh, nice. one of – these are only going to be 50 made. They're going to be customized boxes from Jimmy's Famous. It's going to be crab cakes. It's going to be oysters. It's going to be uh, scallops. It's going to be scrimp. What? It's probably going to be some other stuff in there. What? I don't know. Actually, I have no idea because I don't think you can ship all that shit in the same box because <laughs> oh, sure, it does yeah. ship nationwide but if it's anything like the food they gave to connor and i Man. when we went to baltimore or anything else it is going to be unbelievable and i'm thankful that i get to buy that and give that but i wish the colts would have got a win because now the indianapolis colts are one in four Ooh. and everybody's talking about hey how do you go from being a playoff super bowl conversation team in the afc which is loaded at the top even though uh the the chiefs aren't playing as great as they once were we they are still the chiefs and they need to be treated as such with the Chargers coming in and at Denver I mean everybody this not the Denver Broncos I guess I mean who knows what's going to happen with the Denver Broncos true but anyways, now they're one and four, and I don't know what the odds say on a 16-game schedule, how, uh, how often it is to make the playoffs when you're one and four. Now it's a 17-game season. Maybe it's a little bit better. Whatever the case, not good. Who knows what the future looks like in Indianapolis, but the future in Baltimore is very bright. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a fun team to watch. So good. Hey, like, fun to watch when they're going. That's why last night I think I fell asleep, by the way. Because I was watching the majority of the game where they couldn't really get going. Yeah. I was happy because it was the Colts. And I had the Colts plus seven and a half. Shout out to that hook. And the point, I guess, seven was probably an accurate <laughs> spread for that game. I don't know how they know. They do know somehow, even when shit doesn't happen. Especially now that we're in week five. Week five, everybody has a little bit of a pace on who's what and how the teams are going. We'll only get more and more information as we go. So the spreads will probably get even tighter. But I did cover. But the Baltimore Ravens offense wasn't really going. You know, it was kind of yeah. a boring style. Yeah. And then in the second half and in the fourth quarter in an OT, it was an unstoppable force. Justin Tucker wins the coin toss in overtime, by the way. Uh, I mean, the team is going to go. And the way they've built it, they're going to have to pay Lamar, but it just seems like a sustainable run of success. It seems repeatable. The only question would be Lamar Jackson being able to continue to be Lamar Jackson. And after listening to him talk in the interview before the game with Steve Young, obviously all of his press conferences, him talking to Miss Lisa, everything he's done, there is zero that is indicated to me that he is going to fall off. There is zero that is indicated to me that makes me think that he isn't ready for this. There is zero that makes me think that he isn't going to be a guy. He's going to be the guy. They get their first playoff win, obviously, last year under this thing in Tennessee. They dance on Tennessee's grave immediately upon getting the pick and winning that thing. The Baltimore Ravens, I think, are on a trajectory for superstardom and sustained success. And if you're the Chiefs, you got to think to yourself, first of all, we got to get this back in here. But Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 years, and I know the Patriots fans <laughs> are going to think to themselves, maybe Mac Jones will be able sure. to get in there. Hopefully. But it is bright days ahead for the Baltimore Ravens, which means it looks like the AFC North is going to have to really uh, take uh, turn some heads there. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't the only news, obviously, out of last night. And I'd be remiss if I did not talk about this very early in the show because I think it is very important uh, to the world that we cover. 
And I normally, and we normally stay out of the real world stuff, mostly because there is no reason for anybody to think that their opinion should be swayed by us when it comes to real world stuff, okay? There is zero reason anybody in their lives should think, oh, who should I vote for? You, I'm gonna go listen. <laughs> to uh, Pat McAfee, the toxic table, the hammered down boys. And we very much understand that. Like it isn't like, I don't feel like any of us feel slighted from the fact that people probably don't wanna listen to us give our opinions on real world shit. It is not why anybody would listen to this show. It's not what we're good at. I'm not comfortable enough speaking about a lot of the real world shit because I got my blinders on in the football world that I'm in. It's just the way it goes. But when it moves itself into our world, especially in the fashion that it did at an executive level and a head coach level. We have to talk about it because this is a real world thing that has now come into the NFL. And one of the most famous coaches in our league had to resign, resigned out of nowhere, out of nowhere. I mean, there was a conversation about the first uh, batch of emails that got leased and uh, uh, leaked. And I might have, and this all coming from the Bruce Allen and that whole thing, another 650,000 emails are going through in the Bruce Allen investigation from the Washington football team to see if there was any malpractice or what was going on. And we learned about John Gruden's emails. Now, this thing, I'm going to talk about John Gruden being an obviously very hateful man who probably doesn't have any friends in any of the communities that he, I guess, unknowingly offended completely and when I used in everyday conversation and casual throwing it around there's just we're at a point where I think enough of us know enough of the people that are represented in all the communities that we can evolve into people that don't have to use words that necessarily make somebody feel terrible about themselves okay and this is not me grandstanding this is me as a human who has also learned and evolved from meeting people and learning about people and wanting to be somebody that makes people feel good whenever they chat with me as opposed to bad and asking questions to people like hey why, why is it? And then you hear a story like, well, I was actually called that before I came out and people used to say it to me and torment me and I would go home and think about killing myself and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, all right. Even if one person, or in this case, millions of people feel that way, I think it's in my life, I've always been like, I'm just not gonna use words that potentially can make somebody feel that way because I don't wanna be associated with somebody feeling that way. So although John Gruden can say it was in a private conversation and I, listen, there is an incredible blurred line now on what is allowed to be known about people, what isn't allowed to be known about people, what should come out, what shouldn't come out. This being leaked and nothing else from Bruce Allen's email thing, which I would assume if John Gruden was comfortable enough to send those emails to Bruce Allen, he's probably not the only one. I would, I would assume yeah. he's not the only one that is that comfortable in those conversations. But with that being said, you can't just plead ignorance. You can't say I didn't mean to hurt anyone because it's very evident that if you're willing to put it on record and type it down, you probably use it in every day and you have have no idea what family members that you haven't got to know well enough are potentially feeling as if they want to kill themselves at night because you're saying these words around somebody that you might not know well enough or maybe haven't even tried to invest in their lives to learn. So I just think it's an evolution. We're always going to have hateful assholes. This is going to happen. I hate that it's going to happen, but the reality is this is always going to happen. There's going to be people that have never met somebody who's openly gay. They've never met a transsexual, never met 
By the way, there might be some white people that have zero friends that are of color, have never hung out with them ever in their entire lives, never crossed paths because they have kept themselves isolated in their own world. I'm not saying that's what John Gruden did because I don't know how John Gruden could have felt this way after being in an NFL locker room, which has so many different backgrounds and diversity and so many people. I don't know how you could continue to do that unless you were just so self-immersed that you didn't know it. So I'm just saying, I think what he said was absolutely terrible. I think the backlash is deserved, and I don't think the NFL should be associated necessarily with just all the terrible things that steal all the headlines, because there's a lot of great motherfucking people in there as well. And I think as the years go on, and as the, you know, hopefully we become and pioneer this road to a tolerant society of understanding, as we continue to do that, we're going to continue to learn about people that aren't necessarily on the same ideals of the future, and we can't let them bring out the worst in everybody. Because I think there was some political affiliation in some of these emails as well. So that means in the world that we live in, if they share the same political belief, no matter what they say, I have to be on their side because that's war or whatever. I think we can all agree that we're in this motherfucker together. Okay, you might not understand other people. You might not know why other things happen. But we should at least try to do shit that doesn't make other people's lives miserable. And I think that is kind of why and how we are where we are right now. Yep. With that being said, old football Richie over there, mm-hmm. old Richie Bisaccia is now the head coach for the Raiders. He's been around Gruden for a long time. I wonder how much he knew. The players obviously did not respond well to the first batch of emails coming out where he said something incredibly, you know, racist about Demory Smith, who's the NFLPA commissioner or executive He's the head. Yeah, yeah, right. Director. He, he's the, the director of that. You could tell it was very obvious that the players did not absolutely respond to that. The Raiders looked like a much different team. Now there's even more. You got obviously players on that team and everybody. Carl Nassib was trending, obviously, because yeah. he is an openly gay football player in the NFL who's very good at football, by the way. Uh, has friends on the team, welcomed on the team, works his ass off. Uh, he does everything with the team, appreciated by the team, you know, which is even more so, I would assume Gruden, after getting a chance maybe to meet Carl, has changed his whole viewpoint on things. Maybe ignorance was the case, but you could tell that that team maybe had turned against John Gruden. I couldn't even imagine if he was to be there after after this, it's the only right move for him to get out of there. And I think we don't see John Gruden for a long time. Nope, probably not. If not ever. But what's the rollout? Yeah, maybe ever. What's the rollout for the Las Vegas Raiders now? Mark Davis, the man whose business is currently held up with the IRS being investigated for some tax shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, while doing that, he's currently in the middle of a move to Sin City. He's building a house that looks amazing. Oh, yeah. He gave a head coach a 10-year, $100 million contract. That's over now. Derek Carr only has one year left of guaranteed money. You got football Richie Bisaccia. <laughs> who's been in the NFL for 18 years as the head coach, same coaching staff. How will the team's good? How will the team respond? How will the team go? What does the future look like? Nobody knows. Uh, and that's why we just got to weed out the assholes in the world yep. uh, and continue to move it forward. But there's going to be a lot of fallout from this entire thing. Well, speaking at of... Ty Schmidt at the Toxic table. Speaking of the weed out thing, do you think this now just like opens a can of worms? in there? Because we heard all the stuff in that expose, you know, about the Washington football team. Like... 
it's safe to assume that it's only a matter of time before they start, you know, really digging through the rest of these and start trying to weed out a bunch of people, don't you think? Uh, I see. The interesting thing is, why did because Gruden wasn't even a source of the investigation, correct? <laughs> yeah. It was... So that's that's this was a finding via an investigation of another person. Yep. So I don't know the legalities of it all. I assume Gruden is gonna. There's gonna be some. This is not the last we hear of Gruden. It might right. be the last we see of Gruden, though. Yeah. But whenever. That gets there's 650,000 emails over a seven year period. The amount of email and listen, emails are always a topic of uh, conversation whenever oh, there's yeah. a scandal. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So, do the olds treat emails as if it's text messaging? Yes. I think so, yes. yes. Especially when you're sitting at a desk at a computer, yeah. So, that's like when Twitter was introduced, there were some people that used it as like text messaging. That yes. is almost what people were doing right. on Twitter because Twitter wasn't figured out yet. People were tweeting it. Then people learned that, oh, that could spread quickly to other people. They adapted. They evolved. And Twitter adapted and evolved as well to promote like, hey, this is going public. Because back in the day, when you wanted to like retweet something or share something of somebody, you, you actually, they would copy and paste the tweet. You would put it in your tweet with an RT. Yeah. Then you would paste the tweet with quotes around it. And then and you would have to respond to it in 140 characters. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if Twitter was initially supposed to be just for messaging because they didn't really have it set up to be spread because the way you could spread tweets, you had to like basically, it was archaic. Now it's an entire thing has evolved. And some people use the Facebook wall as a text thing. Yeah. Emails, was because those emails, especially on a company, I, I mean, I don't, I don't do many emails, I guess. So I don't think I fully understand this entire thing. They were just firing away, like, like they, they, casual conversation they said there was nude cheerleaders being emailed oh, back yeah. and forth how what how does that even happen i guess it's just a whole different generation of humans that i do not understand at all well and also it's not like gruden was just sitting at home doing the fire Shit. football coaches of america thing like he had one of the most prominent jobs on espn when he was doing that so i mean it just yeah it it is wild but who knows? I mean, if they go through this, I have a feeling that there are going to be quite a few people who are going to be caught with their pants down as well. My sources, and that was, uh, there was a lot of people, after I tweeted, like, hey, we're all in this thing together. And I think that should be the message. Like, as we continue to learn more about people that clearly have no relationship with anybody other than the people that are very similar to them, long before you could just mute accounts and build up a social media world where you only surrounded themselves yourself with like-minded people. People have been doing that in real life for a long fucking time. And when that happens, you can have some ignorance of potentially other people's feelings or culture or anything like that. And I think as we continue to grow this thing, we're going to continue to learn this about some people. We have to remain on the, uh, hey, we're all in this together, dude. Yep. We have to. We literally have to. But it's crazy over there because Rich Pisaccia, Paisan, mm -hmm. I texted uh, Chuck Pagano, asked him about, you know, you know anything about old Rich, old football Richie? And he said he's a good Paisan. He's a good Paisan. Oh, <laughs> he said he had a similar career path as Chuck. He went through college, was in college for a long time, then got a shot in the NFL, has been around for 18 years now. I had some sources inside the building, uh, the Raiders building, tell me that if anybody – was capable of handling this situation. A head coach ready guy 
like Rich Basaccia is the right guy to handle it. I guess he has a lot of respect amongst his peers and the players. Special teams coaches, you always hear this about special teams coaches, but I'll reiterate the fact you talk to the entire team every morning. So you have at least a, some sort of relationship with everybody on the team, not just the position group, not just the offense, not just the defense. You literally have to coach people from every position at all times, and you know the bottom half of the roster just as well as you know the top half of the roster. So a special teams guy is a good guy to get in there, but sources inside the building say this guy's going to do it. And there's odds on favorites, I guess, now for who's potentially going to be the next head coach. And Rich Passaccia has very good odds to mm. remain around. And I think that's because we're only at week five, going into week six or whatever. There's a lot of time left, and this is a good team. So if Rich wins, there has to be a thought like, hey, this, just keep him around. At least there's some consistency here. They know him. We don't have to move the office. We don't have to change the offense, the defense. We don't have to move over everything. So maybe he's in there. Obviously, Eric Bieniemy. Yep. His name is up there high which is great news he's mm -hmm. going to get a job before probably after this year he'll you be able to think. pick where he wants yeah. to go you would think Lefkowitz. it's been a long time uh byron Leftwich, another guy that's going to go up kellen moore look for kellen moore yeah. to potentially get some looks as well nathaniel hackett was the other guy the packers oc yeah here we go mcdaniels <laughs> i'm sure will probably be that team's the... good oh yeah. yeah new stadium stable a lot of money. Yeah, mm -hmm. Dable up there in Buffalo mm -hmm. because of what's happened with Josh Allen. There's a lot of head coaching candidates. There's only 32 jobs. That's why whenever we see one of the 32 and something stupid happens, you have to remember how many people want one oh, yeah. of those 32 jobs. How many people that would literally do anything to get one of those 32 jobs. There's, that's the top of the top there. So whenever you see something happen in a chop house or in old emails, you got to remember that you're held to a higher standard when you're a head coach in the fucking NFL. That's just the way it goes. Yep. There's not Sure. jobs you got to be a human out there well and if you're a Raiders fan you got to feel good about hearing that and I mean I don't know who they play this week but it's safe to assume after looking like shit last week you cut off the head of the snake like they're going to win this week no matter what pretty much right yes I would say <laughs> yeah yeah it, it sounded like there was potentially a little bit of uh optimism coming out of the Raiders building about hey we'll be able to respond to this now that the world's opening back up so many new thrills or on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes, it's not come too quick. Oh, <laughs> oh here we go. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> they should. That was, I think they're going in a different direction, so... Let's go back a sentence or two. Okay, okay. When you when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes, and guess what? Huh? Lasts a long time. Bangin' up, bangin' up, bangin' up. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. That's right. Dingers. Downtown. <laughs> Bingo. Population you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. Ooh. That's huge. Free? 
the shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the yeah, medication. Free no. two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have the confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. There was a thriller that happened on Sunday, though, and the man that was in the middle of all of it, a man who joins us every single Tuesday during the football season, a man who has started a book club that might be the biggest on earth, and I'll tell you, if you don't respect the Toltec people yet, Mm. you must be out of your goddamn mind you didn't read the last book of the Aaron Rodgers book club. I just got done with it. This changed the way I view things, and that's what happens every single Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, current reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah! I can't wait to hear <laughs> the cliff notes you got from Connor on this. Well, it's interesting you say that because Connor actually just finished Ram Dass's Be Here Now, the entirety mm-hmm. of that thing. And he said that I need to look into it because there's some, you know, really cool stuff that he's dove into. So this one was all me, wasn't it? That's right. Uh-huh. This one was all me. And to be honest, when we broke down the cover... We decided that it was a indica, then a hybrid, then a sativa, and then there's a little bit of rubber <laughs> shake down here on the end. And I think this one was fantastic. We'll dive into the book club later, Aaron. Thank you for joining us. You look incredibly happy. What a heartbreak! What a heart racing game that was in Cincinnati. Uh, did you talk to Mason during the game, after the game? How has that gone with old buddy, who's a, a legend in his own right, about a rough day? Well, not during the game. I didn't. Uh, we sit next to each other. I mean, he sits behind me on the plane, and and uh, I sit behind him on the bus. We our lockers are almost always next to each other, so we always have conversation. Uh, there's not a whole lot to say. I mean, you know, you've been around kickers most of your life. There's not a whole lot to say in those moments. Um, I did want to look him in the eye on the before the last one and just say, "Hey, you're a great fucking kicker." <laughs> Go make this, all right? You got this. But I did, you know, I, I said it after the game, I did ask our special teams coach, uh, Mo Drayton, who I love, and I know you talked about him as well. He's such a great, energetic guy, great speaker, phenomenal storyteller. Um, and I saw a clip you had said, well, what's he supposed to say? You know, and moment, I asked him, is Mason going to make it? What's he supposed to say? You know, when you look somebody in the eyes, you can figure out if it's telling you the truth or not. And I knew that Mo was confident, and I felt confident that Mace was going to make it. Uh, you know, we had a lot of time to think about it as well. With you know, I hit Cobby. There was an injury. There was a measurement, a review. Um, that gave us plenty of time to kind of talk all these things out. And I, you know, I personally wish we would have uh, maybe. Had a play on third down after Dre picked that ball off with third and 15 to kind of get us a little closer. You know, 40 yard field goal is no gimme. Uh, for an NFL kicker, you know, it's high percentage, but third and 15, give me and Tay another chance to move the ball a little closer and give Mason even a closer field goal, I think would have been a good spot. But hey, look, we made it exciting. They missed a couple, we missed a few. And uh, in the end, uh, all was well that ended well. Uh, just give me just give me and Tay another chance. It doesn't matter. No. I mean, it seems like that at this point, by the way. It is awesome to watch you two. We'll dive into it. I'm sorry. Go ahead, AJ. Hey, what was it like uh, slugging it out with Joe Burrow? That dude obviously is very tough. And how much did you get to watch? Like when you're on the sidelines and you're not 
throwing Microsoft Surface pads because you're you're mad at something. Like, do you get to watch the game in the opposing offense? I haven't done that in a while. Okay? <laughs> yeah, not on camera. Yeah. Oh. I haven't done that in a while. I've been very respectful of the technology on the sideline. Um, I will, you know, kick a bench every now and then, or you know, angrily slam my helmet lightly, just because a lot of you know, there's a lot of stuff, expensive stuff in there. You don't want to, you know, come rattling around too much. But uh, Joe Burrow, yeah, I, I enjoyed watching him in college. He had a hell of a year the last year. I really enjoyed how much uh, them winning allowed us to hear um, Coach O um, and his mastery of the uh, English language. Um, I enjoy his uh, dialect and the way that uh, you know he uh, he talks. Pretty amazing. <laughs> Go Tigers! So Go Tigers! Yeah. Go Tigers! <laughs> I said that on ESPN one time, and uh, ESPN got a letter from the PR person asking why I was mocking the way he was speaking. He was like, "No, no, I was actually I was honoring the way that Pain, yeah. homage." Hey, Go Tigers! Right there. Right there. Yeah, he's, he's a barker. Got, he's got quite the uh, quite the pronunciations, um, even. You know, comparatively to a guy like yourself from Pittsburgh, you know, you guys have a hard time talking sometimes. But I think I can understand Pittsburghese a lot better than the, you know, than Coach O most oh, of the yeah. time. But uh, all this to say, I'm a I'm a Joe Burrow fan. I enjoy the way he goes about his business. I enjoy the way that he plays with confidence. I will I will tell you the thing that I told him, which I've told um, you know other quarterbacks uh, from time to time. Slide, <laughs> yeah. slide. Yeah. I I said you're too damn talented. You got so much in front of you to accomplish in this league. Just sometimes you got to slide. You know, I would have said the same thing to, to Andrew. You know, Andrew initially got hurt in Indy, you know, being Superman and running guys over and stuff. Like, uh, the only guy who I've told the to slide who really didn't need to hear it and still doesn't is the guy that was playing last night because he's so damn fast and talented and strong around the ball, man. You could keep running like that for a lot of years, Lamar. You don't need to slide. But everybody else, like, you know, just slide every now and then. You we know, talk about, hey. They got a bunch of guys. Hey, we talk about this with Carson Wentz. The guy sprained both of his ankles in one play, okay? And I wasn't, like, a Philadelphia Eagles fan, so I never watched him as much as I do now whenever he's in Indianapolis. And I got a chance to share, obviously, the locker room with Andrew Luck when people were trying to tell him the same thing that you were echoing to him about sliding. And Andrew... It felt like Andrew had it made up in his mind that he'd be disrespecting football if he like quit on plays or something like that. Like that's not how football is played, basically, is how he viewed everything. I think Carson's the same way. Joey Burrow seems to have a very similar mindset. I mean, he he dove, nosedive, got twisted into the ground, and then he got back up and threw a dime like five minutes later, and people were like, No, Joey likes getting hit. It like wakes him up. I'm like, God, well, let's keep him around a little bit. That's hard to do, I think. Did you ever have any of those moments, or have you always been like very smart with your body whenever you're young because you move a lot more than people give you credit obviously but did you ever take any big shots and learn or is this always been the way you are i definitely took some big shots i remember it's specifically in 2008 i was running on the sidelines and and i thought that i was going to be getting out of bounds before julius peppers drilled me and it was simultaneous ish he got called for a 15 yarder for a late hit out of bounds, but it was really close. I think if I hadn't been a quarterback, they probably wouldn't have thrown it. But uh, I've taken some big shots. I took on Erlacher and Briggs on a third down one time where I got lucky enough to close my eyes and somehow split them for a first down. But not many of those. You're just not going to survive those uh, you know, comfortably over and over and over. 
Um, some guys, you know, can obviously more gifted uh, physically, like Lamar and some of these guys, can run away from those guys and run around those guys. And I remember playing against Cap in twenty. Uh, like 2012 playoffs, he rushed for like uh, 170 yards, and I don't think he got touched really the entire game. Otherwise, <laughs> from sliding or running the end zone or running out of bounds, it, <laughs> we don't think we got his jersey uh, dirty at all. So some guys can do it, but I think for for a lot of us, it's just smarter many times to just slide. And we all, I mean, I, I understand what what Edgy was saying and Carson was saying. You, you feel like you're a part of it when you're taking a shot and you, you know, you got your pads on for a reason. And, and then some of the rules, you know, they're giving penalties out uh, for hits that aren't really that damaging, you know, or, or, or brutal. Uh, you don't, I mean, look, I had one last week. I don't know what the penalty was for. I didn't feel like I got, uh, I think it was TJ. What? I don't feel like it was a bad hit or uh, overly rough hit. Uh, I was surprised there was a penalty. You know, and I'm not begging for those type of penalties. If you get drilled in the head, yeah, of course. I mean, that's probably a penalty. The below the knees one, if it's a blatant one where a guy's diving at you, which doesn't really happen a whole lot, I kind of get that one. But all the other ones, you know, you want to feel like a football player. I don't feel like sliding makes you less tough. It's just sometimes a smarter thing to do. Agreed. Hey, it's Bears week. And I, I think Zito and Ty actually might be uh, in the stands for this game. Now, I know Bears. Bears week's a big deal around there in Green Bay. When I was there with Mike McCarthy, he'd do a good job of showing videos and talking about the rivalry, blood ball emphasis, all these things that really helped us understand what that week meant. Like, do you Have you guys already begun that, or does that all start tomorrow morning with LaFleur? I just love how you can keep a straight face through <laughs> going through that question because you and I have, know how loaded that question is, and, and – Oh, there's so many layers to that. It's very beautiful. He's got a Chuck uh, Berry shirt on, Aaron. I mean, look at the guy. Aaron He's, plays the guitar. He gets it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, what do you say? Guitar? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Right. oh. <laughs> we'll sing about yeah, Bears yeah. Week. We'll sing about Bears Week and Blood Bowl. Yeah, yeah. All right. Blood Bowl emphasis, man. That was some good signs. Mike always had some good signs he'd put up around the facility for sure. Um, Bears Week, you know, it doesn't take long to figure out how important that is to both fan bases. Uh, around here it's little you know little green bay against big chicago going back to 1919 you know and little green bay over my time you know and and really the Favre to me time i think when Favre got the mantle we were i don't know maybe 15 or 20 back in the standings ish and i'm happy to say we're up in the all-time standings hell I know, yeah, Ty's looking good today. I know that uh, is tough. Well, the thing I find uh, cool about the about the rivalry, obviously, you got two iconic stadiums in uh, Lambeau and Soldier Field, uh, great venues to play. We've had some phenomenal games over the years, but you you know when, especially Chicago, they've had a few more coaching changes than we have over the last uh, seventeen years or so, but. Most of the coaches that come in, they always say, you know, one of the main goals is to beat Green Bay. And that's how special the rivalry is because people know, you know, it's for the last, you know, 14, it's, you know, it's going to be how you play against Green Bay is going to determine what happens in the North. And there's been some some bad blood over the years with Chicago. There's been some more cordial games. Um I'd say that you know they're playing they're playing well they're three and two they've won a couple in a row their defense is playing really well 
Uh, Roberts having a good season, obviously. Mac is still one of the top players in the league. Akeem Hicks, our old buddy, you know, is an absolute stud inside. He's a, he's a space eater. They got a couple great linebackers, real good on the back end. Um, so, you know, it's always it's always going to be a fun week. It's always a great test. I love playing in Soldier Field. I have a lot of respect for those sports fans in Chicago. Uh, they're, they're great fans. Thank you. We've had some rivalries over the years. I'm not asking them to like me at all. But I do appreciate uh, the rivalry for sure. Aaron to Chicago potentially with how he just said he likes sports fans. <laughs> Justin Fields, I, know, I, I mean Justin he Fields wouldn't. is a stud. Fields mania, obviously. But to your point about Chicago and Green Bay being a massive ordeal in the building, Chuck Pagano is on record as saying he retired because he didn't want to fucking play you anymore. Literally, have the bear. He said, "I'm out of here. I've been around a long time. I don't want to have to prepare for this guy two times a year." And I assume that's Green Bay as a whole. But you've obviously added into that. I took some notes. From the game on Sunday before we get to Chicago. Is that okay? Yeah, please. Can't wait. All right. I'm obviously uh, at sea level when I'm writing these down. Uh, ball broke up on pick. Does it just slip out of your hand? Was it an obvious duck? What's that ball process like finding out what your – did you get a bad ball in there on that pick? Did it slip out of your hands? It looked like it broke up a little bit. I saw you were pissed off. How'd that happen? This will go in order of the game. They tried to trip you again, by the way. That happened, mm-hmm. and then the pick happened. So they, there's my two notes. Yeah, I, I have a nice uh, Charlie horse on my quad uh, from that. Uh, I'm hoping third time's a charm. I've been tripped the last two weeks, uh, no calls. Hoping the third time is the charm. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if they thought, you know, the first one was so blatant. This one was a little less blatant. Maybe they cancel each other out. Uh, I mean, Hendrickson put that big leg out there. It was like a gate out there. I mean, it wasn't even a thought of that being a call either, I don't think, by the commentators or the refs. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that you might not have seen uh, on TV, and sometimes this gets kind of lost in the broadcast, is the wind. And the wind was significant. Yeah. Uh, definitely for both both field goal kickers and throwing it. So when we were going, uh, which probably would have been left to right on the screen, but right to left, right to left from our sidelines, the wind was blowing hard towards the Cincinnati sideline and into and from the uh, open end. Yeah, from the open end. So uh, if you didn't throw a good spiral, that ball was getting. Uh, start to come out a little wobbly. So the ball didn't come out very good. It wouldn't get thrown. I mean, that's the most important thing. I was trying to throw the ball high and outside for Tay to have kind of a uh, over-the-top, back shoulderish type of catch. Um, so the balls came out really terrible, and the guy made a good play and caught it. Do you know immediately upon leaving, and what do you like? Because obviously there was a conversation around deflate gate, and then everybody talked about how every quarterback likes balls differently. And I got a chance to actually be in the room when Hasselbeck was leading the Colts for the ball selection because I was accidentally in there the first time. Then he won, so it became a thing. Then he won again. So I was in there for like 30 minutes every single Friday going through the balls. It was an interesting process. You have the those ham hawks, you know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. You got those ham hawks out there. I assume, is there any special way you enjoy the ball? Is that thing all, all studded up? Is it max air capacity? How do you enjoy it? And do you change with the games? Like, windy Cincinnati, does, game change, does the ball change at all or anything like that? Not really. I like, I like them kind of the same way every single week uh, and have for the last 14 years. The range of acceptable inflation is to my knowledge, between 12 and a half and 13 and a half uh, pounds per square inch. Um, so I like mine in the 13 to 13 and a half range just because I, I like uh, a ball that's, you know, inflated on that end rather than on the on the lower end. This came into, and I'm glad you asked that question because I love um, 
kind of rebutting uh, narratives that are incredibly false. Um, Love this show. There was there was a narrative used during the Brady to Flategate that I like the footballs overinflated, and this came from a comment that Phil Simms said live on air. And this is what happened. We had a production meeting with CBS crew, and Phil Simms said, "In the winter time, do you intentionally deflate the balls to get a better grip on the footballs?" And I was kind of taken aback by the question. I said, "No." Uh, I said, I can't throw a flat ball. I said, I don't know what other guys like to do, but I can't throw a flat ball. I have big hands and a strong grip pressure. No big deal. So, so I would rather, if there was an, an issue, I'd rather have a ball, you know, overinflated like a kicker ball than underinflated. I just can't. I can't throw a flat ball. I said, and then I went through. I said, look, I know what the range of acceptable ability is, and I like it, you know, between thirteen and you know, thirteen and a half psi. That's that's kind of my sweet spot. Then he goes on air and says that I like the footballs overinflated. So I'm grateful that you asked me that because here we are years later, and I finally get to once again take down this ridiculous, uh, you know, narrative that started with a bizarre question, in my opinion, about uh, you know deflating footballs intentionally and when it gets cold from Phil Sims, which I rebutted uh, in the production meeting. Then he decided to tell this, you know. Story on national TV. If it means anything, I think whenever I was at sea level watching the pick in that windy game, I recalled it being said that you liked an overinflated ball. So I believe I'm happy we got a chance to get there because my first thought was you like a super pumped up ball, probably because what old Phil Simms says. Let's go back to the notes here. Um, well, again, you can't you can't even throw a ball that's overinflated because the referees the referees you know have. They have uh, the ability to go through the bag before the game, and they check PSI levels and every single football that's acceptable. So I hope they don't take air out, but sometimes I think they do. From a ball that might be 13.4, they might take it down to 13 or even 12.5, and a half, but that's, the, that's what they want, the standard uh, for each of the footballs. But. But the way I submit them is between 13 and 13 and a half PSI. And not that anybody cares. Obviously, much different conversation. Uh, kickers like balls pumped up. That's why you mentioned the kicker ball being over pumped because the harder the ball is, the further it goes. It's like the faster a fastball comes in with a baseball bat hitting it. That thing's gone. Much different scenario. Two different types of balls. Shout out to Brett Favre throwing a pick with a K ball after it came out of, the, I, I believe, the dryer and was shaped more like an Aussie Rules football that then led to an entire K ball situation where you guys are allowed to pick your balls. We get fucked with the balls. Next question. Um, direct snap to Aaron Jones there. That was on purpose when the ball drifted a little bit and uh, you kind of just batted it to Aaron Jones. What a what a play. Aaron Jones and you seem to have a great connection alongside you and Devontae, but that was a cool little thing there that ended up not being a complete catastrophe. Was that on purpose? Uh, not necessarily. A couple years ago, we played in Dallas and Lucas Patrick came in at center, and twice in the same game, direct snapped it to Aaron Jones, not on purpose. The first time was so jarring. The first time was so jarring that I went to catch it, and Jonesy somehow had, like, caught it on his head. And then the second time, I couldn't even move, and Jonesy just caught it right in stride and, you know, went into into the run and had, a, had an explosive run. Uh, so same three culprits. <laughs> and when he snapped and, and when he snapped it, my initial thought was just like trying one hand because it was so far out there. And then I remembered 
I remember that Jonesy was there, and I just kind of laid it to him. And of course, Aaron, who doesn't miss a thing, with some for some reason on jogging sap, just literally goes, "Okay, I got it. I'm gonna take it for five. Stud. Do you think about? I guess maybe you think about putting that in as a design play. But other than that, I wanted to get to your hair quick. Didn't you grow your hair out for your Halloween costume? There's a lot of speculation on what you're gonna be. Is that true? And and what is what is this costume gonna be as you're trying to adjust your camera and figure out your internet? Well, yeah, my internet, of course. That's not me. You know, hey, we'll call you back. We'll call you back. All right, so here we go. I've got to hang up on both of them because of the tech. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued to hear the, the Halloween costume, mm-hmm. of course. Him saying I meant to throw it high back shoulder to Devontae, that one. He's 65 yards down the field, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just saying, oh, I meant to throw it high. He kind of slipped out a little bit. The ball deflation inflation thing is also a fascinating one because I do remember – I didn't know it was Phil Sim- – obviously. Classic. He, he remembers. Obviously, he, he remembered that that happened. That was probably called into question during the entire reporting, by the way. The investigation probably – Aaron was probably called and asked how he liked his ball. Hey, it was reported that you like it overinflated. Is that right? Is Tom Brady being – potentially misprosecuted here because everybody does something who said phil simps said that that son of a bitch we're back now with aaron Rodgers tuesday great connection aaron uh to follow up with what aj said the beard seems to be back great growth there on your face you look fantastic the hair still going what are we doing for halloween of course aj asked that question because <laughs> because i wanted to set the record straight that it, I, for whatever reason i didn't grow my hair out specifically to you know to for some Halloween costume. I grew my hair out because I wanted to. I grew my beard out in the beginning of quarantine. It got to about here. I was like, that's enough. I'm going to maybe grow the hair out now. It's been a labor of love for a year. I've enjoyed it. Um, it has nothing to do with the Halloween costume except that it gives me a few more options uh, if I so desire. And let me just go back to the deflate gate just for one thing. Please um, do. That the only reason that, that I felt like it was, it was addressable is that it was that statement was used in the case uh, f- by Brady's lawyers, so that's how things can can go from a production meeting question, which is a bizarre question about intentionally deflating footballs, which I didn't even know was possible, to me saying no, I, I can't throw a flat football, to that being reported as uh, that I overinflate the footballs, to that being used as defense in a court case. That's why you have to like understand this is some of the ridiculousness where stories can go from time to time. Just like when you talk about enjoying Halloween and dressing up, it can be like, oh, well, the only reason I grew my hair out wow. is, you know. And look, I have no problem with Phil Sims. I really enjoy Phil Sims and Chris, uh, his son. Phil um, was really uh, his buddies because of the Don Bosco connection with a good friend of mine, Steve Levy who I actually saw a UFO with, whole nother story, but bringing all things together. I have no problem with Phil Sims, but he just mis- he obviously misspoke, uh, and that thing turned into a bigger deal than it ever needed to be. Monday Night Football, Steve Levy and you saw a UFO together? I didn't know that. It wasn't Monday Night Football. This is going way back to 2005 uh, years ago. I've talked about it on the Nerdist podcast with my buddy Pete Holmes. You can go back and watch that one if you want. If not... At some point, I'll probably give you the shortened version of what happened. Yeah, you were in New Jersey on the beach, saw an orange glow grow across the go across the sky. Then you saw a bunch of fighter jets behind it. I didn't know Steve fucking Levy was there, dude. Well, I don't know if you you Steve Levy from Don Bosco Prep, Steve Levy from the California Golden Bears, 
This is, might not be the Steve Levy. Not ESPN. No. Oh, so it's not Monday Night Football, <laughs> Steve Levy? Oh, okay. This is, oh, it's, yeah, no, it's not Monday Night Football, Steve Levy. No. I was about to say, because you've, you've said that you muted Monday Night Football every once in a while, and now I'm here and you saw a potential alien with the guy. I'm like, what the fuck did Steve Levy do to you? That, 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 that was, I'm sorry, different Steve Levy. Same name, different dude, aliens. Yep. How you doing? Keep it moving, all right? How big was the UFO? Is it like, hey, that's definitely a UFO? Did you think of that? Next time, my friend. Next like time. like a Cessna. Next was it big? Was it fast? Uh, what was it like? Look, this is we got to keep it moving, man. This is not. No, no, just tell me. I mean, I've been reading the four agreements. I think one of them was a hey, be sharp with the tongue or whatever. When you saw this alien in UFO, <laughs> that was one of them. I'll be sharp with the tongue. Uh, what are they right now? What are they right now? What well, the thing about it is, it's a it's it's a wisdom book, and one of them is you got to be impeccable with your word. You know, and whenever you're speaking, you got to understand that. And then when other people are speaking, you can't take anything personally because it's more about them than it is about you. And then you obviously don't make an ass out of you and me when you assume things. That is obviously number three. And then always do your best because why would you do anything other than that? Those are the four agreements. And that was great part of the four agreements, a Toltec wisdom book that I got a chance to read in the Aaron Rodgers book club that I would never would have heard of before. What do you think the Toltec people would have said about that UFO you saw though? They probably seen it. Was that thing fast? Was it flying? Did you see any humans? Did the UFO, was the fighter jets that were following it getting closer? Or was it pulling away? Was it toying with each other? Were they dog fighting? What was going on in the sky when you saw this UFO? A lot of, a lot of UFO sightings down, down there. Toltecs, I'm sure, were very accustomed to interacting with uh, beings from a, from a different uh, uh, dimension or planet. It's kind of like Mars Attacks. Have you seen Mars Attacks? Oh, yeah, classic. Great movie. <laughs> Classic. I'm not. I'm not. Is that what the UFO looked like, though? If I watch that movie, I'll watch that. I'll read a book. And then I'll... That was it, yeah. Do they have the book, Mars Attacks? I'd rather read that now that I have understand that the book is much better than the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's my new thing now that I'm part of the Aaron Rodgers Book Club. That, that, should I segue? That's my book of the... Uh, Mars uh, Attacks? Have, <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, yeah. last question about the game here. You Michael talked Crichton. You talked about you and Cobby having a great connection. That third and 16 in overtime was unbelievable. And here we are the last couple weeks seeing Randall Cobb kind of come into his own in the offense, getting more targets, more plays. We saw some frustration out of you, maybe with some younger wide receivers for things that are going on on the field. How do you continue to evolve with uh, wide receivers that you potentially don't know enough about or aren't on the same page yet, while also building back the Cobb and having Devontae Adams, who you feel like you can beat anybody at any time with? How do you build all those relationships in such a quick season? Well, just it, it's being intentional about those moments where you can say things that are going to resonate with them, both on a confidence standpoint or a uh, friendship standpoint or a, a schematic standpoint. You want those guys to be fully themselves, fully comfortable, fully confident, and then reactive, very reactive in the game to what's going on. Things happen very quickly, and the checks are quick, the adjustments are quick, the responsibilities in those moments they have to be on point and that's when the frustration comes in when there's things that we've talked about that don't get uh, uh, figured out the right way in the game um, that's where the frustration that comes in but look we're you know we're winning right now with uh, without a lot of guys you know that we counted on uh, early in the season so I'm really proud of those guys stepping in you know I would like to highlight the offensive line. I don't think we've done that enough in, in, in any of my press conferences. Shout out. So, to just to think about, you know, Yash Nishman playing left tackle. And if you missed it, you might want to go back and check his robot out 
uh, on Cobby's second touchdown against Pittsburgh, he kind of comes out of the frame out of nowhere and does the robot for about four steps. And it was pretty incredible. Um, so big shout out to Yash, the, the robot man. Shout out. Uh, John Runyon Jr. has played really, really well for us at left guard. Very proud of him stepping in and doing a great job. John's a really smart guy, and he's also a, a, a super tough, tough-nosed guy. Um, so I'm really proud of the way that he's battled and, and played. Lucas Patrick stepping in center for us. Uh, I love Lucas. You know, Like I told him after the game, he's the kind of guy that you'd always want to go to battle with because uh, he's uh, extremely tough, uh, dirtbag type of lineman that you love having your back. Nice, you know? good scumbag on your side, yeah. Yeah, no, that scumbag. I think that's maybe a little <laughs> worse. Than, you know, it's kind of like dirtbag and then scumbag's kind of like a little worse. But Slapdick, fuckstick, uh, shitbird, got, it. got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's how it goes down from there. But uh, but you want you want some of those guys who are those, those gritty, hard-nosed, blue-collar, Pittsburgh, you know, tough type of guys. Hey. Um, really proud of Lucas, uh, and then you know Royce and his mullet at right guard. He's been very steady for us, uh, and Billy Turner I think has been maybe the most underrated out of all of them. He's been you know the guy that almost forgotten about because he's been so solid at right tackle for us. And I'm really really proud of Billy. Nobody works harder on his craft than that guy, and he's a great leader for us in the room. So those guys have been playing really really well, uh, especially the last three weeks against three really good fronts. You're a terrible teammate. Go ahead, Ty. Aaron, getting to talk to you every week, we've obviously got to see like how your mental space and how good of a place you're in right now. After with how much you have to process and like prepare, and then you have a game like that where it's just a roller coaster, and then you know coming off a couple weeks ago with the the game winning field goal against San Francisco, do you ever get like mentally exhausted after these games? Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. I mean, mentally and physically, I think that was one of the most exhausting games. Uh, that we've had in a while. Now, we haven't had a 1 o'clock Eastern, that noon Central time slot for a while, which is great, which means that, you know, people want to see us playing in the, in the more primetime spots. But as a player, Pat, Age, you know this, the noon Central games are the best games because you get in you get in early, you get to the stadium, you play it, and then you get to go home. You know, even if you're on the road, I mean, I was home by the time before the, uh, the Sunday night game kicked off. So, uh, those are your favorite games to play in, but it's a different type of mentality and, and uh, energetic flow. Getting up earlier and getting that thing going. Um, so, and then the you know the temperature was hot. Uh, the field being uh, you know that uh, artificial surface was a little hotter. So playing five quarters physically very draining. I think for all of us uh, mentally to go through the ups and downs of that game where uh, we think we've won it multiple times, had many chances to win that thing. And then also thinking at some point we might lose it a couple times and then lined up for a 57-yarder and a you know 50-yarder. But uh, they asked me after the game, do you ever think you're going to lose the game? And I, and I said no. And it wasn't like a weird, you know, like team speak type of thing. I just don't do this. I just really didn't feel like we were going to lose that game. I felt like from the start uh, that, that the, the vibes were we were going to win that game. And, and even though we started slow and I threw a shitty pick, the start just felt like, doesn't matter. This is our game to win. This is our our day to do this, and we you know we found a way. You're hitting the era and stage of your career now, where I love the fact that you always thought you were going to win that entire game. I think at one point the Bengals kickers 
and uh, they actually celebrated beating you guys. And then they had to be told that it was a missed kick. That's wild. But now you're entering an era where every game you're breaking a new record. You know, we see this. We see this with a lot of OGs whenever they hit a certain time, whether it's yards or the amount of games played or anything like that. You've seen other entire victory laps happen in the middle of games. Now you're top five all time in touchdowns. Is that something you only think about whenever you're done, or do you get a chance to enjoy these moments that you're having and will only continue to have as you continue to dominate here for the next, I don't know, five, ten years of your career, whatever it is? Um, you don't necessarily think of them in the exact moment, uh, other than you know maybe some of the milestones, 100, 200, 300, 400 touchdowns. I, I, I was aware of that, and that's why I like laughing about what happened to each of those footballs. 100 was at Atlanta on a Sunday night and James Jones threw it, you know, a hundred rows up in the seats. 200 was at home against Minnesota. And that was a slant. That was Devante's first touchdown. And 300 was, uh, you know, game. We're getting absolutely blown out at Atlanta, you know, and, and I think it was a shovel pass to Ty Montgomery and 400 was the first ball that I actually got from that. So that was pretty cool. Um, against Philly last year, uh, throwing at Devante, but, but those, you know, those are cool. I think anybody who says that they don't pay attention to them, uh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's that's their own way of doing things. Like, I'm aware of it because it's talked about. I'm aware of it because I'm a lover of the history of the game. Um, you know, so to be mentioned, like I said last week, to be stuck on 420. Um, shout out uh, with Dan Marino. Oh yeah, cool. yeah. I grew up. <laughs> I grew up. Uh, you know. I grew up uh, watching Dan Marino and idolizing the way that he threw the football. I was, like I said last week, I wasn't a, uh, you know, he wasn't my favorite quarterback. I was a Niner fan, but, but I always respected the way that he played the game and the way he threw the ball. And, and you know, it's a, it's a lot of touchdowns. That's, you know, that means he's been playing for a long time. So I appreciate the, you know, what it took to get here. And I'm going to enjoy each of those moments. Uh, now there's a big gap between fifth and fourth. Farby's, uh, you know, well out in front of me and, Hopefully, I can stick around long enough to uh, to pass him up as well. Yeah, you oh, yeah. will. Yeah, dude, you will. Yeah, dude. Who knows where that? Who knows where you may throw those uh, oh, those touchdown passes? Oh, fuck oh, you, AJ. Marino, Dan Marino's from Pittsburgh. Hell yeah! Oh, oh. Let everybody know that. Go ahead, AJ. Sorry. Oh, Danny might come on as a consultant if you go over there to play. Did you, but you're talking about your release and Dan Marino's release. I know I've asked you about it. Your release is super quick. You can zip it. Obviously. Did you model that at all after Dan watching him get rid of the ball so quick as a kid? No, I didn't model it after really anybody. I, I dreamt uh, about being, you know, Montana throwing to Rice and John Taylor uh, and Brent Jones and Tom Rathman playing out in the street at night. I didn't, you know, think about, you know, having a quick release. It just kind of always came. I was, you know, a good thrower of the baseball. That's what I played leading up to <clears> – <throat> Uh, eighth grade when I played football for the first time. Um, you know, I think fundamentally, if you have uh, good fundamentals, you're always going to have some sort of a quick release. Um, I'm thankful for the guys I've worked with over the years uh, who helped me on uh, on my throwing style from Rick Pitzker to Ron Souza to uh, Ronald Dell. Of course. Uh, George Cortez and, and Jeff Tedford and Jeff Jordan. Um, you know, some great coaches over the years, but uh, you know, Sterling Jackson and, and Craig Rigsby as well, my head coaches during those times. Um, of course. Give them shout-outs, too. Uh, but it comes down to before. personal ways of throwing <laughs> and, uh, you know, not having any wasted movement 
um, was something I always tried to try to work on. Now that was tested when I went to Cal because when I threw it Butte College, I held the ball the way I hold it now. When I went to Cal, that ball was up on the shelf. You know, Coach Tedford said they want that thing way up there all the time. So that was actually I think the best thing that happened for my release because in order to throw it from there without any momentum of bringing the ball kind of back or up, you have to really have a strong arm and. That was good for my release, even quickening it up even more probably, having a ball on the shelf. Do you ever have a bad day throwing at this stage? No. Not, not really. I don't know even what a bad day would be. I mean, it's uh, how many how many missed throws is a bad day? Like I had a shitty throw uh, spiral-wise uh, on the pick. And other than that, you know, I, I threw the ball pretty much where I wanted to the most of the game. I think that usually, that usually happens. There's some things that can get in the way. I mean, look, I missed – I missed the throw, you know, I missed one other throw. You know, we had the ball late in the game, 22 all, and made an adjustment. We kind of screwed it up up front, and I had Devontae around the corner out, and I missed him by, I don't know. It was one of those throws where you feel like you're about to get rocked, and so you think that getting rocked by DJ Reader is going to, like, take off a certain amount of steam, so you almost throw a little bit harder. The ball kind of came out before I got, you know, totally rocked, so... Totally missed the throw. That was a shitty throw. So I had for sure two two shitty throws in the game. Yeah, you stink, dude. The um, <laughs> that's usually how it goes. You said what are the? <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that because that's what it looks like when you're throwing it into the net at practice and in games. It looks like you can just put it wherever you want. That's years and years and years of honing that skill. It's fantastic to watch. Before we let you go and before we dive into the uh, book club announcement. There is something happening in the NFL right now that is obviously massive in the real world, not just in the NFL. And I think somebody who's been around the NFL as long as you, just like I had this thought in AJ, the NFL locker room is such a beautiful place because it's such a collection of backgrounds and people that are vastly different from maybe you are. So the things that were being said by Gruden in those emails makes no sense to me for the culture that is the NFL. Do you have any thoughts on that whole situation and how we go forward or anything like that, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I think that... It uh, it's going to come out. You know, the truth is going to come out. That's one thing for sure. I think we have to leave space for for people to grow and change and better themselves. But I think there there are opinions that just don't belong uh, in the game. And I can I can say with real uh, honesty and um, and pride that. I don't feel like those are opinions that are shared by players. You know, I really, I feel like in the locker room, it's a close knit group of guys. And, you know, we don't, uh, we don't treat people differently based on the way that they talk, where they're from, what they're into, um, what they look like. And I'm proud of that. You know, I feel like, I feel like that's the most important thing to being leaders, to being connected as a team is is respect and love and connection and really seeing people. And I know that there's probably uh, opinions similar to that, uh, but I feel like they're few and far between. I really do. I feel like the player and the coach uh, of today is a more... Um, empathetic, advanced, progressive, loving, connected type of person. Um, and I'm proud of the locker room that we have and the way that we talk um, 
because people come from different backgrounds. They have different opinions about everything from politics to raising a family. And the locker room allows you the opportunity to have some incredible conversations and to see where people are coming from and to hear and listen uh, and hear a new perspective. That, to me, is the best way to grow and to learn and to change and to better yourself is not to not to live in an echo chamber where you are constantly hearing the same stuff that re emblazons your opinion you know that confirmation bias that we know exists on social media that keeps feeding you the same type of content i think we need to fight against that and to listen to opinions that might be different than tenets that we hold on to and continue to grow and 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 challenge our own belief systems uh, why we believe what we believe you know questioning things is the only way to grow that's why i said at the end of last year question everything that is the that's you know that's the way you grow is by learning about why you believe what you believe and then testing the things that are important to you from a knowledge standpoint from a personal standpoint so you can better yourself um, and and learning about people who look different than you, who are from different places from you, who speak different from you, is the only way to truly uh, understand. And when you understand people on a deeper level, then you can grow and change. And I think that's what we need to continue to promote in our league, um, is understanding and listening. I think that, like I said, we need to allow people to grow and change, you know. But... Uh, those opinions, um, you know, don't have a place in the game. And, um, you know, it was surprising to see yes. that that thing went so quickly. Yes. But uh, I think that's um, that was probably the best decision for all parties involved. And, and hopefully we can all as a league uh, learn and grow from this. And, and hopefully it puts people on notice who have some of those same opinions like, hey, man, it's time to grow and, and evolve and change and connect. And that shit doesn't fly. And learn about people. You know, hell yeah. Basically, what you just talked about is learning about people that aren't like you. It's a huge deal. It helps out with empathy. I hope we continue to do that. Speaking of learning and becoming a better person, there is one. Say, we appreciate you speaking on that, by yeah. the way, Aaron. No, yeah. anyway. It was awesome. That was really cool. You could have dodged it, obviously. You chose not to. It's very nice of you, the MVP of the league, a great representative of the league, and a man who has a book club that is hot in the streets. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the sixth installment, the sixth book chosen for the Aaron Rodgers book club. Drum roll, please. First, it was The Alchemist by Paulo Colo. Then, Where Men Win Glory about Pat Tillman and Jonathan Crocker. The giver made its appearance. Be here now with Ram Dass. In this past week, it was an absolute dream and a joy to read about the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz about the Toltec people. Week six, Aaron Rodgers' book club book is... You are the universe. Of course I am. Of course I am. This is a, this is a super dense book. I just yeah. finished it. It's called You Are the Universe by Deepak Chopra and Menas... Kafato, so I don't want to butcher his last name. I apologize if I did. Yeah, They're, just uh, did. Yeah, just did. Sure. Yeah. That's his PhD in Deepak Chopra. Chopra is obviously a very uh, famous doctor. And this is uh, New York Times bestseller. Um, 
it is a it's a dense book. You know, it's it's uh, got some crazy concepts. Uh, I can read it. There are a couple brilliant brilliant minds. Uh, it's a longer book, I think, than some of the ones I've. Uh, no way. Yeah, but it's it's uh, not it's under three hundred pages. So you can read it in a week for sure. Okay. But, uh, Here we go. You are the universe. Um, the tagline is discovering your cosmic self and why it matters. Oh my! I can't wait to get Hell cosmic yeah, with that. Yeah. Two hundred ninety-eight pages of greatness. I am the universe. You are the universe. You are the man. Thank you so much for joining us, Aaron. Thank you, guys, and uh, can't wait to talk next week. Hey, is it Tuesday yet, dude? We're getting a chance to chat with one of 32 in the world. Mm. Wow. One man who is solely responsible for me ending up as an Indianapolis Colt. I mean, there was a lot of other decisions that had to happen, but this man presented it on a plate to Bill Polian and said, this guy might not stink. Now, I did for a little bit. I figured it out. I'm very thankful and grateful for this man who's the general manager of a 4-1 team out in Los Angeles. Ladies and gentlemen, general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers, Tom Telesco. Yeah! What's up, boss? Hey, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Life has to be incredible. Four and one. Looks like Staley's going to be a guy. Herbert's a guy. You're in L.A. The stadium's nice. Life's good, huh? You know, it's week to week, Pat. You know, that's what it's got to be. I mean, it's 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 fun to talk like that. But in reality, in this league, it's just a week to week mentality, as you know. You know, you lose focus um, on the big picture. I mean, a couple years ago, we started five and one and then ended at nine and seven, didn't make the playoffs. So. Uh, it's week to week, and then obviously watching that Ravens-Colts game last night, we've got the Ravens this week. So uh, Lamar Jackson kind of gets all of your attention right now with how he's playing. So, But uh, it's been a good start for us. We just got to keep uh, you know building on this. Now, and to your credit, uh, the Baltimore folks immediately after that game are saying, Justin Herbert, a pretty good player as well. What has he shown that made you very comfortable with spending the number six overall pick on him, especially with the question marks that were coming out about how he's not going to be a good leader, he might be scared, he looks like he's in a daze sometimes. What has he shown? And he has become an absolute stud, Tom. Yeah, I mean, he's been a great leader for us. And I think... You know, if, if you mistake humbleness for a lack of leadership, um, you've made a big mistake. And, and he's just a very humble, calm, and poised uh, player. And, and, you know, when you talk to his coaches at Oregon, when you talk to his teammates, um, all the work our scouts did, um, we love his makeup. We love his leadership ability. So uh, we've been very pleased with how he's played. Um, you know, he's leading an, an offense right now. Joe Lombardi, our new offensive coordinator, has been doing a tremendous job you know, getting everyone together. It's a you know relatively new scheme from last year, um, but uh, you know Justin's playing at a high level right now. We're excited to have him, and uh, we're gonna need all of that this week. How about Mike Williams? I mean, he is so big, so fast, and makes such big catches. I think there was always like a potential upside to him. Like, hey, this guy could be a guy, could be a guy. It feels like he's becoming one. You put him with Keenan Allen, and then that backfield you guys have. You have to be pumped about the roster position you're in right now. Yeah, Mike's done a great job. And, and since we drafted Mike, um, every time he's had an opportunity to make a play for us, he has. Um, he's been a 1,000-yard receiver for us before. He led the league in yards per catch one year. So he's always made plays for us. The difference has been this year is some more targets. You know, his route trees changed a little bit, but he's getting a lot more opportunities this year. Uh, so that makes us a little bit more balanced as far as how we distribute the football between Keenan Allen and Mike and Austin Eckler. Um, and then Jared Cook, who we added, and Donald Parham. So we have some players to get the ball to and try and balance that distribution out. 
the best we can. Feels like last year you guys would have lost that game this past weekend. This year you win that game, and, and I might be out of line for saying that. I'm not 100 sure, but I, I don't I don't know if you feel the same way. But what do you think that is? Do you think that's maturity? Do you think that's Staley's vision on that thing? Do you think the team's just taking the next step what, what, from viewing a lot of teams in your history? What do you think it is? You know, it's hard to pinpoint. Obviously, Brandon's doing a tremendous job, but the one thing I've really seen is the trust between the players and the coaches, and that goes both ways. Um, that's what I've really seen. I mean, everybody's talking about these fourth downs we're going for, and, um, you know, it's, it's been aggressive but not reckless, but a lot of that is just the trust between Brandon and the coaches and the players, um, and then trusting the offense that we can convert on those, and then trusting the defense, hey, if we don't convert, because we're not going to convert 80% of fourth downs throughout the course of the year. This isn't going to happen, but it's trust on both sides, trusting the defense is going to stop if we have to. Um, but, uh, you know, you continue to grow week to week with this team, and uh, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's a huge trust factor right now between the staff and the players, and it's leading to wins right now, but we got a long way to go. The closest team, I think, is always going to be the best team. Now, granted, are you together because you're winning, or do you win because you're together is always the question. It's hard to be a tight-knit team whenever you, every, everybody stinks. You know what I mean? I mean, it is, it is hard to do that, so that's kind of a ipso facto situation. But Austin Eckler, whenever he was on the show last week, I think he's, by the way, Great find. I mean, he is an absolute yeah. beast, a stud. Great conversation. He said that Brandon Staley is transparent with them, with the entire team. This is what we're going to do on offense. The entire team has to hear it. This is what we're going to do on defense. The entire team, special teams, same exact thing. So everybody can kind of hold each other accountable and know why you're doing it. Did you know he was going to be that type of coach? Like, did you know he was the perfect coach? Aside from being a defensive coordinator, who's also a quarterback. When you interviewed and did that whole process, what were your expectations and how has he lived up to those? Well, he certainly lived up to all of them, but there's only so much you can get from an interview. Um, you don't know until you have somebody in the building and see him work every day. But how Austin described that is exactly how it's going on. Like he meets with the whole team. It's not for a long time, um, but he goes through the game plan and the why for, for everybody on all three sides of the ball. So everybody knows. And I think when you put a game plan together and you say, hey, look, this is how a team's going, going, going to attack us. This is how we'll, we'll counter it, and this is how we'll attack them. And then when you see that play out on game day, you talk about that trust factor, and, we, and you saw it and I saw it with Tony Dungy as well. When you start to see that happening in front of your eyes, now it doesn't mean every play is going to be successful, but the plan was right going in. Boy, that, that trust factor just really, really increases, and that's what we've seen week to week as far as putting our players in the best chance to succeed. Yeah, I heard stories around the league of head coaches coming in and having rookies go at like 6 a.m. full pads on Wednesdays and, hey, we're going to do this terrible thing. And all anybody said was, you better hope you win, you know, because if you win, <laughs> people will continue to buy in. They'll buy into anything if you win. Legit, winning will make everybody like – if you see the process and the, the outcome is success, it's like, okay, let's do that again. If you don't win, though, it's going to be tough to keep people on the train. It's amazing that immediately upon arrival, there, you guys look like a completely different team, confidence-wise, swagger-wise. Even though the team was great roster-wise, it felt like it's just taking it to the next level. Brandon Staley, probably a massive piece of that. Also, Herbert uh, advancing in his career. Now, for you as a GM, you hear somebody's pissed off somewhere, you immediately call them and see if you're going to trade, or what do you do during the season? What is it like? Workouts every week? You got to rate people, trade people with COVID? What are you doing day-to-day? 
I just wait for you to call every day to see if I can come back on the show. <laughs> hey, anytime you want, man. Just keep winning. You lose, I'm not going to have you on. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, the uh, I mean, during the season, it, it's constantly working with, with the, the current roster, going through injuries, looking ahead um, to see where we are, um, constantly trying to improve. And just it, a lot of it's administrative work during the season. Um, I don't get a whole lot of work with the draft during, the, during our season. Uh, but, yeah, certainly as the trade deadline comes up, you know, early in November, um, we're constantly listening and talking to people and see who may be available. Um, as we've seen, you know, a little bit with us and with across the league, I mean, the amount of injuries right now are starting to spike. Um, so depth is key as everyone kind of gets situated for the second half of the season. So you got have to be constantly, constantly looking not only trade-wise, but who's on the street, who's on practice squads to see if we can add somebody. I don't want to – competitive disadvantage with any information you give away here but are you do you consider yourself active in all those conversations are all the gms active in conversations with each other at all times you guys have a phone that just presses every single person there's like a group text like hey this player is pissed we would potentially trade him like is does that happen or is that all what is the day-to-day like do you have a certain gms that you hit up more often than others or how does that whole thing work if you know somebody's potentially yeah, it certainly goes on, not only with, with general managers, but pro personnel departments, uh, pro scouting directors, pro scouts talk amongst teams a lot, uh, maybe even more so than GMs talk to GMs. But uh, yeah, we certainly by text, by phone, um, kind of have to have a pulse of the league of what's going on. That's, that's part of our job. Uh, but yeah, discussions between GMs and pro personnel directors, they go on throughout the year, not just before the trade deadline. Quick question, Tom, just because I know you so well, I'm going to ask you, and I probably wouldn't ask another general manager because if they were to give me an answer, it would probably be bullshit. And I don't know what answer you're going to give me anyways. But the Bill Belichick, Stephon Gilmore situation, where it was announced that he was released and then he was traded a couple hours later. This happened to the Raiders, I think, last year. Rodney Hudson, I think. It was announced that he was released, and then he was traded a couple hours later. Now, I personally think that kind of fucks the player. You know what I mean? The player either has, if it's a veteran, they at least have an option to go somewhere. I don't know if they have to okay it or whatever. But has that been something that always happens? And is that necessarily like a strategy to get bird calls? One last trade offer, you think? And how do you view that whole entire move? You know, that could be, I don't, I lost track with the Gilmore if, if, if the Patriots announced it, if we just kind of got out. I mean, typically when information like that gets out, it gets out for a reason. Um, it's a competitive league. It's a strategic league to try and get what you want. Um, so I don't know what their situation was, but uh, I will say that has gone on before. It will probably always go on. And, and you know, you try and make strategic moves. It's, we're, we're trying to compete with 31 other teams. Um, in those situations. So if that's the way it happened, I could see that happening like that. Tom, you're an incredibly good guy, nice guy. I got a chance to know you. I even spoke at your children's school, which was a very nice school, by the way. <laughs> they still uh, talk about that. Hey, I didn't read that good. You know, I, I mean, it, it wasn't that good of a reading, but I think the energy was there, which I think the kids appreciated. You know what I mean? I think I'm not yeah, sure. I still got pictures of that, of you sitting with all the kids around you and uh, did a lot better job than I would have done. No, that's my nightmare. But you are... <laughs> You are an incredible guy. Whenever you hear about some stuff happening, like, for instance, these Bruce Allen emails being leaked with John Gruden, like, I'm bummed about it because it makes the NFL look like it's filled with a bunch of assholes. You know, like that, I'm obviously asshole, John Gruden. Like, I, I think we're all in agreement with that. But also, it tarnishes the entire league. And that's coming from, like, your level, Tom. Normally, it's players fucking up or coaches making something up. But the Bruce Allen email, and that, that's like high-level stuff. How do we go forward, you think, in the league and, and not have as much as this? Because we're the greatest league in the world, and this is immediately a massive, like, oh, these, there's bad people running that league over there. You know, how do we move forward, do you think? 
I, I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot of good people in this league. And, and especially when you're in leadership positions, you got to act like a leader. Um, the whole situation is just sad. It's disappointing. It's hurtful to, for to so many people. Um, but you just got to remember, there are a lot of good people in this league. And, and I think those of us that are in leadership positions, you got to act like a leader. And uh, But the whole situation is just really disappointing. It really is. It's just, and like you said, it, it puts a tarnish on our league. And there are so many good stories going on with our players, with our coaches, you know, even front office people um, that, you know, tends to get washed away when you hear a story like this. Um, but uh, you just got to move, move beyond it. And I think everyone needs to remember there's some really good people in this league that, that care about the league and care about people. Well, Tom, I'll always care about you and appreciate the hell out of you for what you've done for me. Thank you so much for joining us today. He wore uh, For the Brand shirt on Hard Knocks. That's oh, right. That's right. Yeah, people forget. People forget that. I appreciate the hell out of you, Tom. Good luck this season, boss. All right. Send some gear. Let's go. All right. Yeah, hey. I got hoodie. Uh, that's yeah. right. Perfect. Hey, it doesn't get cold. Why are you wearing a jacket? You're in L.A. Are you getting soft? Oh, oh no. No. Oh, no. It was like 62 degrees this morning, which feels like 32 when you're from Buffalo. So... Um, yeah, to put a sweatshirt on. You're getting soft out there. It doesn't matter. As long as you win, that's all that matters. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, general manager of the Chargers, Tom Telesco. Yeah. Speaking about the NFL, there is a team that is unfucking believable. Oh, yeah. On the offensive side, they've got a guy who's playing a video game, it feels like. There's actually clips of him playing football in the NFL that look exactly like a Madden highlight reel, throwing the ball to a guy that is an absolute freak of nature and nuke. Uh, on the offense, they got Kyler on the defensive side of the ball. they got a guy who had five sacks in the opener, Chandler Jones, Buda Baker, J.J. Watt, in a squad that is loaded from top to bottom. But in the special teams, they got two OGs. Andy Lee, who was once the punter for the Niners, whenever Leckler, Lee... And Mike Cyphers were all punting in California at the same time. They were the three greatest punters of all time, all punting in the same state. Andy Lee is still punting, and he's with the Arizona Cardinals. He's out of pit. He might be 95 years old. <laughs> still bombing balls. And the kicker for the Arizona Cardinal, Cardinals, also a 75-year-old man who has an absolute cannon. Former record holder for longest field goal in NFL history. Has a touchdown pass in Lambeau. Legend, Matt Prater. Yeah! What's up, dude? What's up? How you guys doing? Hey, we're great. You and Andy Lee just sit in the cold tub all day, every day, figuring out what <laughs> avocado ice cream you got to eat to be explosive as you guys are? Yeah, pretty much the hot tub more so. Cold tub's overrated. You guys are an old crew, obviously, experienced crew, very good. And I like the fact that Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime and the Cardinals said, we have a great offense, we're building a great defense, let's not let special teams be an issue or a worry. They have Andy Lee there, they bring you in there. What has it been like joining the Cardinals? And you guys are on an incredible run right now. It seems like that team is alive over there in Phoenix. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. Uh, big change of what I've been used to the last few years, but yeah, the offense is He's moving. talking about in Detroit. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's talking about in uh, Detroit, Foxy. Sorry about that. But no, it's been great. Uh, yeah, the offense is moving it. Murray's incredible to watch. And then anytime you need a big play, just throw it to 10. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun season so far. We're just getting started. But yeah, I'm just trying not to screw it up on my end. What's the culture like? Like the, it seems to be like an energetic place. I know Kyler is very fun to watch, but with Cliff Kingsbury and what he has brought, like, what is it like day to day inside the facility? Day to day, it's it's super chill. It's he's pro style coach. Um, kind of leaves it to you to get what you need done. Um, treats everybody the same. 
um, just a breath of fresh air, you know, every top to bottom, everybody in the building is super excited. And I think we kind of, have, it's, it's a different, like, you know, you've been on teams where, you know, you kind of have a feel in the locker room, like after the first game of the season, you, there was just a special vibe, like good, good team camaraderie and just a good team feel. Yeah. You have attempted a 68 yard field goal. I think a couple weeks ago, um, when you were jogging on the field, that was going in. Yeah. In your head, you thought, yeah. Shit, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, no, nah, I, I, I thought maybe I could hit it, and basically, you could go out for one that far. You basically go out and just swing your hardest, and I didn't catch it. It actually, when I first hit it, it was closer than I expected it to be because I, when I first hit it, I thought it was going to land at like the ten yard line and <laughs> get, get run back like it did anyway. But uh, yeah, it'd be cool to get another shot at it, maybe indoors instead of. Uh, outside but did you talk to Tuck? did you get to talk to tucker since the record has been broke because there is a community of big ball and i talked about this the day after justin tucker hit it there is a community of kickers obviously that is rather tight then there is big ball hitters and there's a couple guys that all have their eyes on that record as soon as they get in the nfl they know they can compete but i think it's all a a dude of uh, a group of great dudes it is did you reach out to tucker have you chatted with him yeah yeah i texted him after just said congratulations well deserved it i figured you know if you have a record it gets broken it sucks obviously but at least the guy that broke it is probably the best to ever do it you know he uh he crushes the ball he hits him straight so for someone to break that record i'm happy it was him and that he's you know he's one of the best if not the best to ever do it i know this stinks now because you know tucker's the current record holder and i just thought of it we should have a title belt for that right that should definitely for sure for sure yeah i hope to get another shot at it yeah that's what i'm saying there should be yes there should absolutely be like a Mm -hmm. an absolute like diamonded out i mean like an entire because i don't know how much further guys can go like how much further you think is possible legit how much further you think is possible after everybody knew 63 was gettable everybody knew 63 was gettable 64 big ball 66 is a monster ball what do you think is gettable prater honestly uh not too much further i think i think there's guys that could hit 70 in a game it's just it's just it's few and far between getting a shot at it you know just having an opportunity because it's got to be right before the end of half right at the end of a game and everything has to basically line up perfectly just to get the shot at even attempting a kick that far. So I think I think there's a handful of guys that can do it. It's just getting the opportunity, and then when you get that opportunity, it's hard enough to kick it straight. Then you got to kick it so even further, cool. straighter. And you're basically <laughs> for me, anytime I get to sixty, basically I everything's out the window. I just swing my hardest and hope it goes straight. Hey, would it? Would it? This may be a dumb question. I'm sure it is, and Pat's gonna think so. But what if like sixty plus? <laughs> You changed into a squared off shoe and you started toe bashing like the guys. <laughs> Does that give you any more distance? Yeah, stupid question. Uh, for me, I I don't know where I would spray it and probably lose distance, but I'm sure there's other guys. Shoot, I've seen guys like uh, when I was in Denver. Remember Brandon Lloyd, the receiver? I seen, I saw him messing around at practice. He hit like a 60 or 65 yard field goal messing around. He could crush it. Toe bash? Okay. No, soccer style too. With with high top receiver cleats, so it made it even more impressive. I have a lot of respect for that, obviously. The reason why people can't toe bash is because your leg speed is so much slower whenever it's generating from front to back as opposed to the soccer style, which is a much quicker leg, which causes more explosion, which is why the toe bash kick that old ne- no Dempsey did is so impressive because that's a long way. I don't know how anybody could have generated enough leg speed unless you had metal in the end of it, I guess, mm, right. which potentially is the thing. Um, Prager, I want to talk to you about 
being on a team that is so good, being on a team that has high hopes. And I know that you said Detroit is a little bit different, but whenever you, every kick matters. And I thought about this with like Jason Hansen, for instance, he was in Detroit for 20 years. I don't think he ever kicked in a playoff game. So in the kicking community, I think it's a little bit tough to be like, hey, this guy never got an opportunity to get in the biggest of moments to make the biggest of kicks. Now you're on a team where every kick matters, every game is gonna matter. There is a Super Bowl aspiration, especially in the NFC West. Mentally, how do you compartmentalize all of that? And also, as a follow-up, you might be able to answer this in the same vein. When you see guys have terrible days, I assume you've had them. We had a lot this past weekend. How do you get past those things, and how do you stay in the moment and keep moving forward and just trying to bomb balls all the time? Um, as far as the kicks being more important, I, I try to treat them all the same, whether it's uh, preseason, first extra point, game winner at the end. try to treat them all the same because if, if I don't, I'll stress myself out too much and then put more into it than there is um but yeah i try to treat them all the same and not stress myself out because I, I i when i go out when they send me out for a field goal i expect to make it they're, they're not really sending you there to attempt it you, you've got to make them when they send you out there else you won't be around too long but that's how i look at it what was the second part of your question sorry well when you go out there and you start sniffing those smelling salts too i mean you are a fucking legend <laughs> you are snorting those things too your brain has to be at a different level of being able to take that what is it pneumonia ammonia yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, honestly i don't even know why i started doing that now it's just routine by the end of the game i, I hit that thing and it doesn't even do anything it's just kind of burning a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just started doing that. Now it's routine. I take a like an empty can of dip and I just fill it up with those and I put them in the kicking net. So we get in field goal range, bust one out and ready to go. What if you start? Don't do that. Don't do that. All right, keep that out of your mouth. Right, don't confuse that with your other dip. Uh, we're talking to Matt Prater. You've been around a long time now, though. You're an old ass man. So in doing so, in surviving this long, your consistency has had to remain at a level that is above good. It's great. And everybody has these slumps and downtimes in their career. This past weekend, we saw a lot of misses. I mean, Mason missed like four kicks. Mason's a stud. There's kicks everywhere 13 missed extra points when a bad day happens how do you get back into the good light how do you not beat yourself up how do you move forward and what do you think a lot of these guys are going to have to do to make it because there's a lot of young guys that obviously might not come back from this and never get a job again yeah i think you gotta look at like i don't know if you can this but i basically look at like i miss a kick sometimes i look at it as a fluke or like shit happens you know we're human i i expect to make them but everyone's gonna screw up like nobody on offense or defense is perfect they have you know, screwed up plays and, and different things. But we only get so many opportunities where you can't screw up as much because if you get five kicks in the game, you miss one, you had a horrible day. Yeah. Um, so I always look at it basically like shit happens, move on to the next one, and then when in doubt, swing harder is what I say. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Ty. Matt, I think it was on Sunday where it was the end-of-half situation, and they, you know, you guys didn't have a timeout. You kind of just rushed out there with like nine seconds left, and I think it was like a 61 or a 63-yarder. Obviously, you you said like you like that opportunity, but after that, like when you have to speed things up like that, does that ever kind of like piss you off? It's like, oh well, shit. That you know, I, in different circumstances, I probably would have made that, but because we had to rush and do everything, I didn't get the same opportunity. Yeah, for sure, it is what it is. I I think uh, we, we didn't have any timeouts, so we ran out. It's called like a hurricane or bonsai, whatever the coach calls it. But so you run out, and basically when you run out see where the ball spotted and I got to get to eight yards to get the spot for Andy, the holder. And so when I got the spot, I looked up and I think there was four seconds. So I didn't have time to take my steps, but that's the only, the only chance we're going to have to score points, you know, maybe a hail Mary or something, but figure they send me out. I'll give it a shot. Um, just, 
kicked it, missed it right. What do you what do you do that once a week? You practice that once a week, twice a week? What the run on field goals? Bonsai, yeah. Oh, I should practice it once a week. Oh, <laughs> uh, probably, I don't know, every every few weeks, maybe once a month, go out. And yeah, it sounds like you do it once a year. Yeah, cover your ass. We did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to nah. do it. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, it's crazy because they it was such a like short amount of time. They left the quarterback ball in there, so I saw oh, that. No oh, chance. No yeah, chance. I basically, I swung as hard as I could, and when I hit it, I'm like, oh, that felt pretty good. And it was from the right hash. I look up, it was going a couple feet outside the right hash. And, no, I didn't have my usual screwball there. I just hit it straight, and it stayed straight. But it was right. So, hey, do you play that screwball? Yeah. Nah, I, you know, I. I I don't know why I've been hitting that you know, the last couple of years as as much. It's like been consistent. Like not, I just aim straight, hope it goes straight. But if they, if they screwball like that and they go in, I don't care. I'm not gonna not gonna complain. Hey, Vinatieri was a big on. Did it go in? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's get to yeah. the next oh, one. Who cares? <laughs> all right, all right, that's all. I'll, I'll try to make the next one pretty, but that's it's cool. Hey, that's the thing about Tucker, and you mentioned that that son of a bitch is end over end center third almost every single. It makes no sense how he does it. He, it makes yeah, no I, sense. I wish I could learn or figure out how he hits it so clean. Like he's just a clean, slow rotating ball, high straight. He's he, yeah, he's good. Yeah, yours takes a couple turns on the on the road to the uh, to the upright. Yeah. Who cares? Sure. Going all over the place. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get scared every time? Is there a ha, 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 ha? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. But sometimes, you know, I'll hit it. If I look up quick, that means it's like an oh shit moment. If I look up quick, that means that I didn't like it. You duffed it. You hit it low. You might have hit it high. Something like that. Yeah, it could one of one of many. <laughs> yeah, but they always say that used to happen to me when I was kicking. And Rich Rod, uh, Coach Rich Rodriguez, he only had one coaching point, and it was keep your fucking eye on the ball. <laughs> okay, and I, I wanted to tell him. Yeah, all right. Yeah, the reason why I'm lifting my head, by the way, is because something went wrong whenever I kicked it. Like, you know, you're going to keep your head down nice and smooth whenever you hit it beautiful. It's like, oh, I don't even have to worry at all about that one. But then if you hit it fat, you're like, oh, let me see where how bad this one is. And it's like, right. I think it, I don't know if those are necessarily the same thing, Coach, but I will fucking very, try. Very similar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Matt, you mentioned earlier this year's a little different than previous years. You didn't say it specifically, but it's because you're on a good team and not a shitty one. Uh, do you guys Whoa. still? Jeez. I just wanted to, you know, clarify and explain <laughs> what if people didn't get what he meant by that. All right. It's very nice of you. Hey, I'm a big <laughs> MCDC you. guy. MCCB. Matt, though, are you still this going to the coach with some, like, trick plays, little fakes, like the one uh, that you pulled off in Lambeau when Pat was calling the game? Or because you guys are such a good team, you're just focused on making field goals and extra points? Uh, I'm, I'm more so just focused on making my kicks because I think if we're going to draw something up, I think they'd rather have Kyler Murray with the ball in his hand than <laughs> doing something. But, so, no, nah, we don't have anything like that. Not, not that I know of, not yet. And I definitely am not the one drawing them up or coming up with the ideas. Hey, that was earlier in my career. I was like, I can run, I can throw, can we do some shit? They're like, uh, so let me get it straight. We're going to take Peyton Manning off the field, and then we're going to have you do something. Is that what we're going to do? I was like, all right, you're right, I'll go right. kick. <laughs> <laughs> I will go kick. A lot of the teams that necessarily have to do everything to win normally have a lot of fakes. It has to be great to be down there in Arizona. That place is beautiful, by the way. The, the yeah, Phoenix. Have 70 you, right now, it's sunny, it's perfect. Have you moved in? Are you fully moved in? Is that a place I'm fully, I'm fully moved in, fully committed to Arizona. Is that forever, you think? The golf course is heard. I don't know. I'm honestly trying to figure out where I'm going to live when I'm done playing, and it's either going to be here or Florida for me. 
you're getting old now, man. You're old white thinking about going to Florida. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I'm getting some gray like you with my beard. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, incredible kicker for the Arizona Cardinals, currently undefeated. Might be the greatest team of all time. Could go on to be that. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Prater. Thank you, man. So sorry to interrupt, okay, but I want to let you know that there's big news from our favorite home security company. Simply Safe just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. That's right, Simply Safe, the system that US News and World Report names the best home security system of 2021. Congratulations. Somehow just got even better. This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. It has an ultra-wide, 140-degree field of view so you can keep watch over your entire yard. It has 1080p HD resolution with an 8x zoom. That means you can zoom in and clearly see things like faces and license plates to capture critical evidence. It has a built-in spotlight with color night vision so you can keep an eye on what's going on day or night. It's super simple to set up and usually just takes minutes. The camera has it all and it integrates with your Simply Safe home security system, extending its protection to the outside. Together it means every door, window, room, yard, property, everything is now protected from your friends at Simply Safe. To learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/mcafee. That's s i m p l i s a f e.com/slash m c a f e e. Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering twenty percent off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com/slash mcafee. Shout out to Simply Safe. They send it to you. You can set it up yourself, and the security system is better than the ones that take hours and hours of weirdos in your house, dragging mud and screwing things into the wall and changing your entire life. It's a first-class security system that you can set up yourself. It takes minutes, and somehow they've gotten even better. Shout out to Simply Safe. Shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. A college football national champion, a Super Bowl champion, a Ryder Cup champion. I think he won Dad of the Year at some point. Really? I think so. At some point, he was voted Dad of the Year over in Columbus. But now that we know what we know about Columbus, yeah. Ohio, I think. True. We, Low standards. What do, we know, what do we know about Columbus now? Pretty well, nice. I know over in Chop House, you got to watch out for your butthole getting fingered. Yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, right. join us, A.J. <laughs> Hawk. Yeah! Thank you for the good intro. I appreciate it. Well, you're a champion, dude. You're uh, wearing, obviously, a Chuck Berry T-shirt. Is this another one? Is this uh, one you've always had? What is this here? I've had this one for years, man. No, come on, let's, we're talking football here. Why, why do we have to always talk about my shirt? Can we just be professional? Well, we could be, but you choose to be unprofessional every time you put clothes on your fucking body. So we have to talk about it. Um, let's move along here. Colts last night, unbelievable meltdown. I fell asleep, didn't see it live. Watch it this morning. Heard the news, obviously, before I watched it. A little bit of a spoiler from the internet. Thanks for everybody that tweeted me before I got a chance to see the, the whole outcome. I appreciate that. What a nightmare for the Colts. But what an absolute stud Lamar Jackson is, A.J. Hawk. And this is an interesting thing. He's the first player in the history of the NFL for 400 passing yards in 85% completion rate. I think he only had six incompletions, 37 of 43. He accounted for... 499 of 523 total yards of offense that the Baltimore Ravens had. Now, that stat comes from the ESPN stats, people. That says 499. You go to my sports update, old Ari Mirov, pro football focus. Lamar had 504 
of 523 Ravens yards. So there's a little stats dispute amongst the stats community. But anyways, he accounted for a lot of the fucking yards that the Baltimore Ravens had. He came alive late. He's a stud. That old team loves him. They're going to have to pay him. What a game for Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, and the boys over there. Yeah, I actually saw this whole thing live. It wasn't planning on watching all of it. I thought it was over. I thought it was – I was like, all right, the Ravens have a chance. They can find a way maybe to make this a game. And what happened and what Lamar did, man, it was it was awesome to watch. It really was a fun game. I know the Colts, you feel – I feel bad the Colts had to lose, but you have to feel pretty good about how Carson Wentz played, how their offense played, their defense at times played very well. I mean, you do have to feel bad that the Colts lose. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, Jonathan Taylor, how you doing? Keep it moving. Goes untouched, yeah. by the way. Yeah. We'll have to find out what the best untouched touchdown of the of the week is via a poll on Bruce Brown's Twitter account tonight. And thank God he didn't run a poll on Monday like he did last week because we'd have missed out on Jonathan Taylor's untouched touchdown. And Carson Wentz looked like he was back to 2017 form. He did. Mm-hmm. He looked comfortable in the pocket. He was throwing it around. Michael Pittman Jr. is out there mossing folks, mm-hmm. scoring touchdowns. Yeah. That dude's balling out in a number 11 jersey. Beast. T.Y. Hilton probably coming back at some point, oh. right? He's hurt. He's a superstar. Quentin. Quentin Nelson's coming back, right? Got to be. But they're one and four, AJ. One and four is not good. That is not good. They don't, don't feel like it, though. Do they feel like a one and four team to you? And I know Carson has talked about the record and everything, and they can't focus on it, right? So I guess – of all the teams that may have bad records, the Colts feel like they're the best of those teams. So who was it? Rams, Seahawks, Titans, Ravens, and... Fins. Dolphins. The only win, right? Mm-hmm. So you lose to those four teams that I think a lot of people consider pretty good teams. Their, their schedule was quite a nightmare to begin. Now, Titans, you got to win that regardless because it's in the division. But Rams, Seahawks, Ravens is a tough start to a season. But sometimes a tough start to a season, it, it can almost... Kick your ass late. I mean, having four losses already going in. I mean, it's going to be tough to stack them, especially with some of the way these some of these divisions are. You know what I mean? Some of these divisions yeah, have a lot of wins. Think about it. When you start out one and four, you know, like, all right, our margin for error is getting smaller and smaller as the season goes. Now, good for them that they have 17 regular season games, so they have time to make it up, but they're going to have to go on a run here and, and really get some positive momentum, I feel like. Some confidence, at least, that they can prove that they know how to win. If you don't win last night's game, though, I, I don't know how you lean on. What's up, dude? This is fun just watching you try to get a sweatshirt on. Bro, it was hot. I mean, it was cold. I'm sorry. It was cold a little bit. Mm-hmm. And by cold, I mean chilly. It's starting to become fall out here in Indianapolis. So I, like, you know, CFO Phil does such a good job with that store alongside Bruce Brown. So I was like, all right, it's a little chilly. I'll put on a hoodie. Maybe we can move some hoodie for the brain. You know, it, we're, it's our darkest time. I like the hoodie. It's comfortable. I work out and I normally don't normally wear it on the show because I have a costume. And then I just got what? I'm an hour and four minutes into this thing. My insides feel like they're going through COVID again. <laughs> oh, geez. It is so hot in here, dude. Well, it was fun just to watch you try to get it over that nice expensive watch. You couldn't get the uh, the wrist part off. Hey, don't worry about it. I got a bigger one coming in the mail. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly. I only have one watch, and this is an $80 watch. But everybody thinks <laughs> everything I wear is expensive because I'm perceived as wealthy because of the shit that you say every single day. But everything's still the same shit I would have wore when I had $0, just the way it goes. Anyways, let's move along. The Colts have to win that game, though. 
That's like one of those games that if you want to make it, you have to win. You're going to look back on it week 15, week 16, when they're relying on like six other things to happen to get in there. And be like, man, we had that. We were up 16 going into fourth quarter, 120 and 0, whenever that was happening. Now, that's long before Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and Carson Wentz got there, obviously. That record has a lot of Peyton Manning in it. Yeah. You know, that, that's a lot of Peyton Manning in that particular record. And I assume luck might be a part of that as well, even though it felt like every game was a fucking heart attack <laughs> waiting to happen. But Colts. I think they showed a lot last night, but the Ravens, I'm a big fan of that Ravens team. And Chargers got them next. Did you hear us talk to Tom Telesco? He took every question right on the chin, answered that thing right back. What were you asking him, like some some hard-hitting stuff? Kind of, yeah. I mean, the, the email leak of Bruce Allen and John Gruden just acting as if their email was some personal text message of absolute stupidity and... You know, just a lot of hate in there. A lot of hate to everybody. The way Adam Schefter reported it uh, last night, he said, a clean sweep of uh, feminist, or feminism, an anti-sexist, misogynistic, that's the same thing, right? Is misogynistic? Yeah, pretty much. Misogynistic, racist, and something. A clean sweep is how it was referred to as. And I don't think we've seen all of the emails yet. Like, is this the beginning Rollout of these emails, 650,000 emails were scanned through. This was released. And if John Gruden was this comfortable emailing Bruce Allen this shit, you know, what's Bruce? What are the other emails look like? And what? Yeah. how's it going to go? And I said this in the first hour. You haven't had a chance to chat about it yet. You just joined us. I think... We just have to realize that there are some absolute assholes in the world. There'll be people that will never understand, never meet people that are maybe the opposite sexuality of them. They will never get a chance to experience anybody else's culture and understand why some things are uh, maybe asked not to be talked about or said. And I'm not saying that. I'm just, there was some terrible shit said in there that whenever it was put on the internet, there was a lot of people that saw a lot of nightmares happening in front of them. And it was happening at the highest level of the biggest league in the NFL. Like, how many more emails are we to see? The whole situation, AJ, it's a fucking sad one for the NFL for sure. Oh, it's it's brutal. Yeah, when, when you think about it, and you, I think if you go back and you look at some of the players after the last game before yeah. Gruden resigned, like you could kind of get a sense or a feeling like, all right, they maybe they know more than we do or they know more is coming, but weren't they saying that the league was going to continue to leak emails until Gruden did resign. Like they wanted, they needed him to resign. They didn't want to have to suspend him or something. I mean, that was a theory. I'm not 100% sure the NFL has come out and said that pro football talk was saying that last night, Mike Florio put out a tweet that the NFL is just going to continue to leak emails until the Raiders do something. Uh, And the resign came out of this thing. I love the Raiders. I don't want to be a distraction. I never meant to hurt anyone. It's like, you didn't even know you were hurting anyone potentially. Cause I assume if you were willing to write these out on the record in an email to a president, of an organization on their email at the NFL.com, by the way. I would assume you also potentially use this in regular life. And this happened over seven years, I guess. So it wasn't like this was a one-time thing. It was, it's fucking, you just hope that the NFL wouldn't have to have this type of shit associated with it. But obviously the most, one of the most popular coaches on earth was saying some terrible things about a lot of people that he had, he had to have met. The NFL locker room is such a collection of people with different backgrounds and communities and people and families. I don't understand how it happens unless you're just so self-indulged you don't give a fuck about anybody, you know? I guess if you just don't th- – yeah, you don't really think about how it's going to make anyone else feel or you're not going to – also, like, you're not going to – you don't know when you put something down, when you you type it out and you put it out there, it's there forever too. Like that at the same time, like it's pretty reckless. I'd I- – <laughs> 
Reckless for sure. Yeah. yeah. And we talked about this in the first hour. We don't know if like that generation of people use the email as like text message. I don't know. Is it? I know. Ask Mitt. I know the young kids. They use like they'll use TikTok and Twitter and DMs as text message, basically. Yeah, we're not talking about the young kids. No, we're the talking, about the talking about complete different generations, opposite. bro. Yeah, we went through the when Twitter started. I think people thought Twitter was also just a messaging system between your friends. Like, hey, we're right there. Facebook, same thing. People were writing on people's walls as if they were just texting them. But now, seven years all the way up until what, like. 2017 18, 18 yeah. or something this shit was still happening it's like i don't know how you just must give no fucks if anybody knows you know just saying i don't care i'm gonna you know and, and in that case you got to be so arrogant i would assume but i mean he's been celebrated for that for so long it's just what a what a situation it's terrible for all well and i wonder if part of it was like hey i have a 10 year 100 million dollar mm -hmm. contract you know like what are they gonna do fire me uh, Mark Davis, by the way. Mark Davis. What a situation there. Ten-year, hundred-some million dollars. He was like his hero growing up, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gruden was like Mark Davis's hero growing up. And then sources told me in the building this all happened very fast. They knew there was potentially more emails coming, did not know the contents of it, and did not know if they were going to be leaked publicly, allegedly, from what I've been told. Then as soon as those get leaked, everything happened. Boom, 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 boom. He's out of here. He's gone. It's like that, I think, probably could have happened a week ago, whenever the first racist email came out about Tamori Smith, and if you also knew there was potentially more email, uh, who knows how it all gets handled. There's no way Mark Davis, who, there's no way Mark Davis learned about this in business school and what you're supposed to do if you find out that your head coach is sending emails with terrible things in them for seven years over a span of 650,000 emails that are going to be in there. I mean, it is... It's a wild time. It's a wild hey, time. Hey, what if, okay, if, what if Mark Davis says, I do not accept John Gruden's resignation? Then what happens? Gotta show up to work. Then I, they keep <laughs> releasing emails. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, that's what the theory that you mentioned would be that the NFL would just continue to release. And who else, you know, if that's the theory, who else is in there? You know, like, who else is potentially in Bruce Allen's emails? If there's 650,000, he's the president of the Washington football team. He, he was, was the GM was. and president. Okay, so he's GM and president in the nation's capital. 650,000 emails. And if he was using his email, how John Gruden and he were using his email, yeah. I mean, who the fuck else? Hey, is were any of Bruce's were any of Bruce's emails that he was like sending back to John Gruden? Are those public? Have we seen any of that? I don't think we've seen any of the full emails, right? We've just seen excerpts. Yeah. I think. The of one excerpt from Gruden. from Bruce to Gruden yeah. was the topless photo shoot that they held that was already well documented. Within so, that. I mean, the amount of humans that are probably in this email chain, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Countless. So this is, in, it's very vastly different or whatever, but what was it, Balco? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Balco was like one or two people at the beginning. This is the baseball thing. They were creating all the uh, steroids for everybody. And it was one or two people at the beginning. And then almost everybody was like, oh, there's going to be more. And then it was like 300 people or something. Yeah. <laughs> like in this particular one, I wonder, you know, if it's like John Gruden's going to be a big one, just like A-Rod was, I think, and mm -hmm. some other people were with that. And then is there going to be more? I, w I would wonder if Roger Goodell knows that answer. How does it get out, though? Is this stuff... Is this stuff public to where the media can go search through and see who else is on there? No, because it's an NFL investigation, not a federal investigation, right? Roger Goodell appointed these people, so it would all be under the house of the NFL. Yeah, per the New York Times, this is via Ari, who had 
differing stats than ESPN did on the amount of yards that Lamar Jackson accounted for last night. He had him at 504. ESPN had him at 499. Interesting. So take everything Ari says with a grain of salt because he might be five yards off or five yards better than ESPN in the stats department. Mm -hmm. Per the New York Times, Commissioner Roger Goodell instructed league executives to look at more than 650,000 emails. Yeah, fucking look at the emails, dude. During the past few months, during its investigation into the workspace culture of the Washington football team, the only emails we've gotten so far are about John Gruden. So he's on the internet. He's living just like us. I'm not sure how many connects Ari has. I know Ari has an incredible work ethic and finds everything. We appreciate that. I don't know how many connects he has. But now I think about the investigators presenting the case to Roger Goodell. You know, Roger Goodell in the middle of his day just got done running his 40 in his suit at his office or whatever for the Rich Eisen Run Rich Run campaign. He just got out of his leather je- uh, uh, seat eating some M&Ms and he's like, all right, what do you guys got out of 650000 like, well, turns out Bruce, definitely a scumbag, but you're going to want to read this one. Yeah. yeah. And Roger Goodell's like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, he calls you, uh, calls you a pussy. <laughs> Who, Bruce? <laughs> no, Gruden. Get fucking him out. run it. Yeah. Get him out. Now, they, they start running the entire thing. So he's racist, misogynistic, he's an asshole, and he he went after me on an email that I'm the boss of. He, at NFL.com, I'm the boss of it. It became this big deal, which is leading to another conversation. It's like if that didn't happen, would all of this other stuff be coming out? This is just a story that's only going to compound on top of itself as the day goes on, AJ. Well, and it's different from other ones to where this, like, this wasn't like someone's phone got hacked or they lost something and someone searched through and leaked it. This is because of an investigation that they had to, they had to search through 650,000. I mean, how long does that take to go through that many emails? That's a lot. That is a lot. How many people do you have doing it, too? Yeah, and I don't know. And those people all think that they're going to get moved up to a job, and they're not, by the way. <laughs> that, you only do that because you think you're going to move up. But that is an insane thing. Uh, we will obviously keep our ear to the ground because this is an NFL topic, although it involves the real world. It also involves the NFL, so we have to chat about that. You're the best. The fact you allow us to penetrate your ear holes every Monday through Friday, I am eternally grateful for. So, so thankful for everything that you have allowed us to do, and I hope we'll continue to bring you a show that you deem, eh, okay, you know? So thankful for Aaron, for his time, Tom, Matt, the boys, their effort, their energy, and to all of you. I'm the luckiest dude that has ever lived, and I'm very, very grateful for it. Remember to use hashtag PMSJimmies50. That's PMSJimmies50 to potentially win one of the $50 boxes customized from Jimmy's Famous after the bet that I had with them on Monday Night Football. Be a friend, tell a friend, Ty. Please play some independent music and propel these beautiful people into a beautiful Tuesday night for a fantastic Wednesday. Cheers.